Thank you, Stephen. Thank you, team. Well, good morning, church. How are you? It is great to see everybody here. And welcome to the Spain Park baseball team and all your families. Man, glad you guys are joining with us today. And you might be new as well. You're not a part of a baseball team and you're just here. Uh, welcome. Uh, I am glad that you come in just to worship with us today. We are excited about what Jesus is doing. And I hope that you'll join with us on that journey. Hey, uh, before we jump in for today, uh, I really want to take a moment for prayer. Um, a lot has been happening, not only in our congregation, but really throughout the world. Uh, if you're on our email chain and you're watching that traffic, you know that we've uh, had to say goodbye to a brother and his sister over the course of the past week. David Barnes uh, went to be with the Lord a little bit over a week and a half ago. Uh, and then Mary Thompson uh, also went to be with the Lord earlier this week. And we have been mourning with their families. Uh, they are both with the Lord, and so we rejoice in that, but it is never easy to lose a loved one. Uh, and so we hope you will continue to pray for both of those families as we are grieving alongside of them. Uh, but then out in the world, if you've been watching the news at all, you might have been seeing the tragedy that's unfolding in both Turkey and Syria uh, in the aftermath uh, of a massive earthquake. Uh, and I don't know if you've been keeping track, but every day I'm just watching this death toll climb. Uh, it is right at 30,000 people who have already lost their lives uh, in these two countries, uh, seemingly overnight as, as this, their world has just changed. And on top of the death toll, you have people who have been displaced. So many buildings have collapsed. It's the middle of February. You have hundreds of thousands and even more people who are now homeless. And how do you find shelter in the middle of the winter for all of these people? And so there is a massive humanitarian crisis. Uh, we have Christian brothers and sisters in these areas who have lost loved ones, uh, who are desperately trying to help their neighbors, uh, who need the help of the Lord and us to help uh, them right alongside them. And look, I want us to make sure we just have compassion on people trying to grapple with an almost unimaginable tragedy because let's be very clear, uh, we're no better than them. Uh, and it could just as easily have happened here. And imagine if something of that magnitude happened here and the kind of chaos that would ensue. And so I want to take a moment just for us to pray this morning uh, for those who are, are grieving, for those who have lost loved ones, even in the earthquake, but also for our brothers and sisters who are there. Uh, let's ask the Lord uh, just really mobilize the rest of the church that he might be lifted up uh, in this time of crisis. Let's pray with me, if you will. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the blessings that you give us, blessings that we take for granted so often, uh, the blessings of friends and family, uh, of a warm and safe place to worship, the homes that we get to go home to. You, you have lavished your blessings upon us and we, we don't often enough just tell you thank you for that. But Lord, often death intrudes and we are reminded, Lord, that this is not our home, that this world is broken. Lord, that there is no hope in ourselves and that there is no hope in this world. And Lord, we give you thanks and praise because in you there is hope. And Lord, we, we grieve alongside the, the Barnes and the Thompsons. Lord, as they are grieving the loss of their loved ones, we're so thankful for the hope that you give of a reunion, of salvation in you. We ask a blessing upon them as you walk alongside them. Lord, it is because of death that you came to conquer it, to make sure it had not the last word. Lord, you get that last word. And so, Lord, we give you thanks and praise for the salvation that they have. But we want to lift up all who are suffering in the midst of the aftermath of the earthquakes in Syria and Turkey. Lord, I don't even know how to get my mind around the magnitude of this crisis, but you can. 
Lord, you know of our brothers and sisters who were there on the ground, and you know the, the struggle that they are in, and we ask a, a blessing upon them, Lord, that your spirit would sustain them. You would not simply grieve with them, but hold them up. God, hold them together. And God, use them powerfully as they, they seek to help their neighbors and their friends. Lord, I pray that you would be lifted up as you pour aid and encouragement and prayer through the entire Christian world down upon this area. Father, may that we see you moving in their midst as we try to come alongside to help however we can. And so God, bless this entire situation. We pray for help, for, for aid, Father, for all the things that are needed, Father. Show us how to be a part of that solution. But Father, we lift them up and ask for your comfort for tens of thousands, even millions of grieving, confused, and hurting people. Father, would you meet them where they are at and give them the hope that they too need. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. And we all said, amen. Amen. Hey, grab your Bibles if you got one. Uh, let's go to John chapter 15 this morning. John chapter 15. Verse 1, hopefully you got a copy of God's Word. If not, maybe a device you can pull out uh, and use there. Uh, if you don't have a Bible or a device, look along with somebody next to you. I bet they will let you share. Uh, but John chapter 15 is where we're going to be. Matthew, Mark, Luke, then John chapter 15, verse 1. Uh, as we are walking through our new series uh, called Repent, Abide, Obey, Enjoy. We have been walking through this path of spiritual joy. And a couple weeks ago, we walked through this passage in John 15 and realized that God's giving us a, a pathway to enjoy him. This is what he wants us to experience in life. And wherever you are in your spiritual journey, all of us are in some part of this journey. And we're looking for how do we take a step forward? How do we get closer to that joy that God made us for? And so we started way over here in the land of disobedience. I won't come over here and freak all out. All right, so this is close enough. But listen, when you leave the light, right, we're outside of the system. We live in the land of disobedience where we ignore the Lord. We don't follow after the Lord. And sooner or later, we have to come to a place of repentance. In fact, let's say repent on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Repent. That was really good. Okay, that was good. Some of you are. Let's say it with a feeling. Ready? One, two, three. Repent. That's good, right? So we're supposed to repent. I have to come to the place where I recognize God's right and I'm not. He was right and I was wrong. I'm going to stop making excuses for it. I'm going to stop pretending. I'm going to try to fix it on my own. I have to repent. Any relationship with the Lord has a start with repentance, of acknowledging he is God and I am not and I need him. But as we repent, we move to the real first step of the process. We abide in him. Let's say that on a count of three. One, two, three, abide. Yeah, so we abide in him. He invites us into this relationship with him. We actively cultivate a personal relationship with the Lord where he nourishes us, he helps us. And that leads us to step two of the process, that's obey. Let's say that on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. All right, so we abide in him, and that leads to obedience. As I live in him, I don't want to go back to the land of disobedience. No, I follow with him. I, I need his help, but he encourages me so that I obey his commands. I live in his ways, his life. And if I obey, that leads to the final step of enjoy. Let's say that on the count of three. One, two, three. Enjoy. All right, so we enjoy him. This is the goal God's trying to get you to. He doesn't just want abiding or even just obedience. He says, I want my joy to be in you. And this does not take 30 years to master. You don't have to be a seminarian or a missionary to get here. For every believer, he is inviting us into joy if we will simply walk the path. And so last week, we really broke this down. We looked just at repent. And so if you want to go back, you can listen to those. But today, we're really going to talk about abiding. What does it mean to 
abide. That's what we're going to look at John 15, verses 1 through 11. But before I get there, a little bit of a PSA. Uh, it is Valentine's Day this week. You guys know that, right? If you did not remember that, or if you just remembered it right now, good luck, right? Because uh, that's this week, right? You, you should know it's Valentine's Day if you're married, okay? If you got a girlfriend, right, guys? You got you to figure something out right? You should, right? Because, I mean, you just, you just should, right? But, but imagine the scenario. Imagine you say, Adam, listen, I'm on top of this. I got it, okay? I know what I'm going to do. So I've got the chocolates ordered, right? I got, they're getting delivered. I got the flowers ordered. They're getting delivered. I got the reservations made at the restaurant. That's going to be awesome. I got the photographer lined up to take all the pictures of it so she can post that on Instagram because that seems to be the only thing she cares about. Uh, so, I mean, look, I got all that. So I, it's all in. I'm on it. I got it. Imagine if you said, Adam, I'm on lock. I got all this stuff, and you did all of that, and you never showed up for the date. Imagine how that's going to go for you. Spoiler alert, not well. Not well. It's going to go terribly. But you would say, but I did the thing. Look, I got all the stuff. All right, I got the chocolates, I got the flowers, I got the reservation, we got the pictures, and we got all the stuff. I mean, didn't I do all of the things? Yes, all of those things are fine. But if you don't actually show up for the relationship, none of that matters. If you don't actually enjoy this person, if you're not in a relationship with this person, none of those things help you at all. At the end of the day, it all comes back to a very real relationship. And this is why abiding is so key in this process. So look at where, where we are, John 15. Uh, this is the night before Jesus is crucified. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And listen to what he says. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you were clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. But if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Hopefully you saw those pieces of the journey, the repent, abide, obey, enjoy, as we walked through the passage, and specifically verses 9 through 11. But in reading the passage, one word really stands out above all the others. In fact, you might say, Adam, you can put all four words up there, but really it sounds like the one word that keeps getting repeated most often is which one? Abide. He just keeps saying it again and again and again. Abide in me, 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 abide in me. He says the word abide 10 times in 11 verses. 10 times in 11 verses. He just keeps saying it. And so what does even the word mean? We briefly talked about this a couple weeks ago, but the word abide means to remain or to stay, but it's an active word. 
Uh, this is something you have to be consciously involved in. To abide means to cultivate a relationship, to live in an active relationship. I remain, I stay actively involved, developing my relationship with the Lord. This is what it means to abide. And to help us understand what that means, he gives us this picture of a vine and branches. Now, the vineyard was a constant picture of Israel in the Old Testament. So for him to use a picture of a vine and not just a tree uh, is important because he's picturing Israel itself. Uh, but remember, he's really talking about like a grape vine. So don't think uh, kudzu, don't think wisteria. We're not talking creeping vines along the ground or up a trellis. Uh, think more of like a, a grape vine, like a vineyard, where you've got a very strong root, almost like a trunk. And then you've got branches coming off of it. So a vine, that's the central trunk there, and the branches. His goal is this, the branch needs to abide in the vine. We stay connected to the, to the vine. This is where we get our life. If you do not stay connected to the vine, you are like a branch that just withers, you get a, you're cast off into the fire. Instead, we need to be vitally connected to him. That's what it means to abide. But why is that helpful? What does the branch get from the vine? Why is, being, why is abiding so important? Well, everything that branch needs comes from the vine. Think about it. It gets, first of all, sap. Like for that branch to bear fruit, to have leaves, it's got to have sap, nourishment from the vine. The vine has roots and it's bringing in uh, water and minerals and, and nutrients. Everything that, that that branch needs comes up through that trunk, the vine, and it gives it to the branch. All the energy it requires comes from the, the branch or the vine itself. Secondly, the branch gets a place. It's got to have space to kind of hang in the air, to have room to let its leaves unfurl. It's got to have space for those grape clusters to, to, to hang down so you can actually have some fruit there. That's not going to happen lying around in the dirt. And so it gets a place. And then thirdly, it gets strength. The branch can't keep itself in the air. It can't keep itself up there. No, it's the vine that is holding it steady, that is holding it firm and saying, no, I'm going to keep you in your place. I'm going to give you what you need. I'm going to keep you where you need to be so that you actually can bear fruit. And so the one job of the branch is to abide in the vine. But if you don't do that, if you kind of separate yourself, well, it's just going to wither. Now, what an interesting word there. It says, anyone who does not abide in me withers. Now, now if you've ever seen this, you've ever like cut a branch off a tree before, you know that branch doesn't die immediately, does it? You cut that thing off and the leaves will stay green for a little bit. Might even hang on to the fruit for just a little bit. But watch it over the next few hours, next couple days. It's going to brown. It's going to get brittle. It's just going to crack apart. It's going to get leached of all energy. It withers. I wonder if that's somehow some of you feel spiritually right now. When it comes to your relationship with the Lord, you don't feel vibrant, you don't feel fulfilled, you don't, you don't feel joyful. Instead, you feel empty, withered. And I wonder if that could be because you're not abiding in him. You're not abiding in Jesus. You're not cultivating a relationship with Jesus. Instead, we're trying to do this thing on our own. You say, but what, but what does that even mean, Adam? We're talking about vines and branches. I am not a plant. So, so what does that even mean? What does that look like in my life? Well, what does it mean for us to abide in a relationship with Jesus? What does he give us? Well, look at this from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 30 and 31. 
Paul's talking, uh, and he's not in a metaphor. He's just saying it flat out. Listen to what he says. And because of him, that's the Father, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that as it is written, lest he let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. So Paul's writing here, he says, listen, Jesus is all of these things for you. These are not attributes or skills that you get. No, they are found in the person of Jesus Christ. And when you abide in the person of Jesus Christ, God gives us himself. And here's what that means. He gives us his wisdom. Jesus is our wisdom. He doesn't say, I'm gonna make you smarter. He says, no, you're gonna abide in me and the very wisdom of God himself, of Jesus Christ, lives in you to guide you and to help you and to encourage you in the right path. He says, I'm gonna be with you the whole way. I abide in you as your wisdom and then your righteousness. When I abide in Christ, I have the full righteousness of Jesus Christ. I don't have to spend my days trying to figure out, was I good enough? Have I done enough to stay saved? Is is God gonna throw me away if I don't perform well enough? I don't have to earn my salvation. I have Jesus Christ and he is perfectly righteous. When I abide in Christ, I have the perfect righteousness of Jesus and I don't have to chase after it. I get sanctification. I can't change myself. I can try. I can change a couple things but it doesn't bring lasting change. I don't have the power to do that. But Jesus can, and he does. When I abide in Jesus, he changes me. He helps me become like him. This is not all on me, but I abide in him, and he brings that sanctification. And then finally, redemption. This is my salvation. I do not have to worry about my future. Listen, because I am in Jesus Christ, wherever he is, I will be also. Because Jesus Christ has conquered death, death cannot conquer me. Because Jesus Christ has conquered sin, sin does not have a hold on me. Because he is alive, I will be alive forever. Not because I'm good enough or because I've accomplished anything or will accomplish anything, but because I am in Christ Jesus, I have all of this and more. I can go on. We can look at verse after verse where we talk about Jesus being our our comfort or our rest or our peace or our our security uh, or our power. All of these things come in the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, They're not like levels that you get to. They're not skills you attain. These are not treasures you have to dig up. They come in a living relationship with Jesus Christ. And so the question I have for you this morning is, is are you abiding in Jesus Christ? If this is the thing that he is asking us to do, are you abiding in Jesus? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Because if you don't, anxiety is going to destroy you. That's where some of you are living right now, are we not? We are living in an epidemic of anxiety. We are all anxious. We're anxious about everything. We're worried. And it's not just you, it's all of your friends, it's your parents, it's, it's everybody, it's, it's all of us, even around here. This culture is anxious. Why? Because this world tells you, you are a world unto yourself. You do you. You create your own right and wrong. You create your own identity. You create everything, man. Don't bother anybody else. You create everything all yourself. It sounds awesome to say, I create all meaning. Everything is fine until you get to the wicked backside of that truth. And it's this, if everything revolves around me, then everything depends on me. And that will crush you. Because what do you do with the questions in the night? What if I can't perform? 
What if I'm not good enough? What if they don't like me? What if they talk about me? What if they kick me off the team? What if I don't make the grade? What if I don't appease these people? What if this thing happens? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? And those what ifs will destroy you. When you try to do this all on your own, you're like that branch separated on the ground, withering away. You can't produce anything. It does not work. And so Jesus says, you don't have to. I am inviting you into an abiding relationship with me. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? You say, okay, well, what does that mean? What does that look like? What are we talking about here? Like, like break this down. How do I abide? Well, look, there's a, there's a lot of different ways of talking about it. And admittedly, abiding is an art, right? It's not a system. Uh, like any relationship, it's messy. It's, it's with people. And so there's an art to it, right? You have to kind of learn the art of abiding, but there's a guy named Andrew Murray who talked about this. He actually wrote a book called Abide in Christ. Uh, it's one of my favorite books of all time. This is in my top five. Uh, it's going to be our companion book for this series. I got copies out at the uh, Connections, unless the first service got them all. I'm so sorry. Um, but if we have any copies left, you can buy them out there. Cheaper than Amazon. While supplies last. All right, so uh, they're right out there. But look, Andrew Murray was a South African missionary writing in the late uh, 19th, early 20th centuries. Uh, so about 120 years ago, uh, he was writing. And when he talked about his relationship with the Lord, he comes up with this phrase that, that confused me at first. He says, abiding is this. Abiding is active passivity. It is active passivity. Now, if you're thinking, you're saying, well, Adam, that doesn't work. That is what we would call an oxymoron. Because you can't have active passivity. If you're active, then by nature, you're not being passive. And if you're passive, then you're by nature not being active. How in the world can you have active passivity? That doesn't actually work. But remember, this is an art. And when it comes to this relationship, it actually does. And this keeps us in a living, abiding relationship with Jesus. So let me give you two things you shouldn't do and three things you should if you really want to abide in Jesus. All right, two failures to avoid, two things you shouldn't do, and then three things you should if we're actually going to abide in Jesus. The first mistake you can make is this. You can go to total passivity. You can go just way on the passivity side. It says, Adam, listen, God's gonna do what God's gonna do. Look, he's God. He's smarter than me. He's doing his thing, and he's not gonna listen to me. Why should I spend my time praying and talking to him when he's just gonna do what he's gonna do anyway? And furthermore, he probably should. He's smarter than me. Why should he listen to me? His ideas are better than mine. I don't know what I'm talking about. He knows better. So why don't we just let God do what he's going to do? I'm just going to live my life. I'm going to try my best not to get in too much trouble. But God's going to do his thing. But I'm not going to really get into a relationship with him. Uh, he's sovereign. He's good. So God, you do your thing. And I'll just kind of wait until the end, right? Totally passive. Now, that sounds vaguely spiritual because we're saying God's sovereign and he's, he can do what he wants, but, but if that's your attitude, you have completely missed the point of what Jesus is trying to do in our lives because the goal is not simply to get things done. The goal is relationship. Um, uh, my daughter Rose is now five years old. Uh, we had her birthday party last week. I have a five-year-old, uh, which is shocking to me that my daughter is five years old. But uh, I will go ahead and tell you this. Uh, don't be too impressed. Uh, but I can do everything better than my daughter. I really can. I'm try trying to boast. But 
I really can. I can do everything better than my daughter. I can do it faster. Uh, I can do it more intricately. Uh, I can do it just better. I really can. Uh, there's nothing she does that I can't do better, right? But that's not the point. Right? The goal for me is not to do things better than my daughter. I am happy to get down on the floor and to spell things out with her. When she asked me, hey, can we, can we spell this? Can we write this out? I could do this a lot faster than her. I really could. I can do this in two seconds. I'll take the next minute to spell it out with her. Do you know why? Because I love my daughter and I want a relationship with her. And I want her to have a relationship with me. Cleaning up her room, I really could do this a lot faster than her. If you have kids, you know what this is like, right? I can do this super fast. It's gonna be a half hour ordeal if she is involved, but I'm gonna do that. We're gonna do it together. Why? Because I'm in a relationship. I love my daughter and I need her to be in a relationship with me. It's not just about getting things done. It's about the relationship. Please understand, God absolutely could do things better than us, but that's not the point. Of course he's smarter than us. Of course he doesn't have to wait around for us. But he is. Why? Because his goal is for us to know him, not just get things done. And so we need to abide in him. Why? Because that's the whole point. So I can't be totally passive and just say, God's gonna do whatever. No, you gotta be involved in the relationship. Here's the second problem. You can't go to total activity. Some of you, instead of being totally passive, you're just totally active. You say, Adam, that's not my bin at all. No, I'm in this thing. I'm ready to go. Let's do something, right? I want to do some things for the Lord. Okay, who can we help? Who can we serve? What do I got to do? Give me the list. I want to make sure these things happen. And you're ready to go, go, go. You might be the kind of person that when you pray, you listen and wait for the Lord to answer for five seconds, right? And then you got to get things done. God, can you help me? Not really. Can you help me? Like today. No? All right, I'll get back to you. And then you're gone. And you run off to do things, important things. Reading your Bible, helping people out, doing good things. You are in it. You are being active. But the weirdest thing happens in all of your activity. It doesn't seem to get you very far. And then sooner or later, you end up failing. And now you're back in the land of disobedience. But then you say, but I'm going to fix it. I'm going to fix it. I promise. I'm going to fix it. And you get over here to obey and you get back to work. And it works really great until you fail again and you get back to the land of disobedience and you find yourself on the roller coaster of rededication where you just keep going back and forth and back and forth because you refuse to abide. It's almost as if some of us view our life in Jesus Christ like a tag team wrestling match. We got any wrestling fans in the house? Anybody love wrestling? Anybody like wrestling? You can admit that on 41. You can. It's, probably, it's okay. Look, I grew up watching wrestling. I remember going to the Coliseum in Montgomery, Alabama to watch WWF. Remember when WWE was WWF? Like Hulk Hogan, all those guys. I remember going to see all those guys at the Coliseum where grown, sweaty men would get in there and wrestle, right? They'd get in there and they would wrestle, right? But sometimes it wouldn't be just like a one-on-one match. Uh, you would have a tag team where there's two guys on each team. Now, that's not when everybody gets in to the ring and wrestles. That's the Royal Rumble. That's a totally different thing, right? Uh, but instead, it's a tag team wrestling match where only one person can get in the ring at a time. So one person from each team, they get in there and they wrestle until this guy gets tired out and he will tag his buddy and they'll flip. This guy gets in the ring, and they guys start wrestling until this guy gets tired. He's going to tag his buddy, and they flip, and this just goes back and forth until one team is left standing, and that's tag team wrestling. Some of us, whether you like wrestling or not, treat your life like a tag team wrestling match. 
in the ring of life that you and I got to get in, instead of abiding in the Lord, you run in by yourself. And so here you go, man, you came to church, man, you're all excited, man, you went to camp. Like Hunter was talking about earlier, you went to an Emmaus, while you went to an event, man, you're excited. And so you get in there, and you got you and Jesus on one side, and you got Satan and the world on the other. And you said, Jesus, I got this, let me have the first go, let me get in that ring. It's a big bang, you jump in the ring, and here comes Satan. He comes in, and man, you lock arms with him, but you went to church, man, you're excited about this whole thing. And so when you pick that guy up, and you spin him around, you do the full-on body slam, it is amazing. You are doing so well. Everybody's looking at you. Such a good Christian. They love you. They think you're amazing. And while you're peacocking around the ring thinking you're so great that he finally gets just a sucker punch in on you. And down you go on the mat. Saying the thing you did not want to say. Jesus, I just did that thing I said I'd never do again. I just did that thing I said I'd never do. I just went to that place. I said, I'd never go again. I'm sorry, I messed it up. I thought I could do this. I, I thought I was doing the right thing. I thought I was trying hard. And Jesus, I'm, I'm sorry. You just kind of limp along the mat. Jesus, I need, a, I need a tag until Jesus tags in and he comes in and just cleans the whole thing up. You sit on the sidelines and you try to get healed up and try to figure out, okay, what went wrong? I got to do better next time. You got to figure this whole thing out. And you finally get a little bit all excited. And you're going, all right, I feel, I'm feeling good again. All right, Jesus, I think I'm ready for a tag. Put me back in there. Jesus, let's go. Tag. And you jump in and the whole thing starts again. And that's your life. Here to here. Here to here. Trying real hard, failing, repenting. Trying real hard, failing, repenting. Trying real hard, failing, and repenting because you're trying to do this on your own power. And you wonder why it doesn't work. You're skipping a step. You repent, but you're trying to jump straight to obedience and you're missing the most important part. You got to abide because you cannot do this in your own power. You cannot do this on your own initiative and God doesn't ask you to. Apart from me, you can do nothing, but in me, you can do all things. And so Jesus says, I am inviting you to abide in me. So what can we do? How does this work? Let me give you three things that you can do. The first one is this. We need to abide in Jesus. We need to abide in Jesus. You say, Adam, that's fairly obvious. What do you mean? Well, think about what we're not saying. We're not saying you abide in church. You abide in good deeds. You abide in good vibes. You abide in mindfulness. You abide in good acts. Those things might be fine, but that is not what we are called to abide in. You are called to abide in the person of Jesus Christ. It's a relationship. The most important thing we must understand is that God is a person, and he's looking for a relationship, an actual personal interaction with us. You see this all throughout the text. Look at verse four. And notice what it says here in verse four. He says, abide in me and I in you. Do you see the reciprocal nature there? He doesn't simply give a command, abide in me, and then walk away. He says, no, you abide in me and I will abide in you. It's reciprocal, like a relationship. I know you, you know me, I will be in you, you will be in me. It is personal. It's a relationship. Look at verse five. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. 
Not apart from the system, not apart from worship attendance, not apart from really good deeds, apart from me. It's personal. When you disconnect from the personal walk with Christ, everything short circuits because it's personal. Look at verse seven. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is not a genie kind of thing where it says, listen, if you get the right incantation, if you say the right prayer, if you do the right combination of good deeds, then maybe it will unlock spiritual power and finally your prayers will get answered. He says, no, I will do it. I'm gonna work through you. Did you know that Jesus is alive and working right now? He's not up there hanging out and waiting. He is working in us right now. And when you abide in me, he says, I will do my work in and through you. This is personal. And then look at verse 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is not generic joy. This is not run-of-the-mill joy. This is not just chemical joy in your life. He says, no, this is the joy of Jesus Christ. It's his joy. He says, I want my joy to be in you. I want you to experience the fullness of my joy. And that can only happen when we're in a relationship with him. And so how do you abide in Jesus? Well, that just starts by spending time with him. Most people spell love, T-I-M-E. If you love somebody, you spend time with them. Well, the same thing is true in our relationship with the Lord. If I'm gonna abide, I gotta spend time with them. This means a quiet time. A time during your day that you mark out and says, I'm not talking to anybody else but the Lord. The phone goes off. I don't immediately pick up my phone to, to respond to what other ridiculous notification I just got. When I'm talking to the God of the universe, I mark out time to say, God, here's my heart. Here's what I'm, I'm worried about. Here's what I'm dealing with. How, how, how should, what do you want me to do? What are you saying to me? How, what can I learn today about you? I need to spend time with him. It will change your life if every day you order your existence by spending time with the Lord. But you gotta choose that. It's not just gonna happen. Just like a relationship with anybody, you've got to prioritize it. You've got to make time for him. So you mark out a quiet time and say, I'm gonna spend time with him. The second way you can do that is through worship, which guess what? You're doing that right now. Yay! Actually, some of you are doing that right now. Not everybody who came in here worship. You know that, right? Every single Sunday when people come in here, some of us worship and some of us don't. Because some of us, when we get in here, we're not thinking about having a personal encounter with the Lord. We're just trying to get here, right? You're just trying to get here, get through it, then you're thinking about all the things you gotta do today because you got all these different places you gotta go. You're just trying to you rush, do the next thing. So we come in, we kind of go through the motions and we go out and we do that. And we actually haven't thought about a personal interaction with Jesus at all. Okay, well, that's not worship because worship ought to be personal. Listen, I can't see this on some of your faces. Y'all know I can see you, right? <laughs> Stephen can too. We talk about it. All right, so... I mean, it is, because look, I mean, some of you, you don't look very worshipable because you come in here and you're just like, well, that doesn't look worshipful. I mean, who's gonna wanna hang out with you when you say, they go, hi, and you go, well, hi back. I mean, look, I mean, that's just not very worshipful. Look, when you come in, I know everybody's not as expressive as I am, that'd be a little bit overwhelming. It really would, but still, Listen, if we interact, we love somebody, we're gonna talk to them. There's gonna be an interaction. We might even sing, dare I say. You might actually participate. Okay, it's gotta be personal. You can't just go through the motions. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? 
Listen, some of you are still convinced that you're Christians because you grew up in church. You know that's not the case, right? It's not. doesn't mean you're not, but it really doesn't mean you are. Because being a Christian is about having a personal relationship with Jesus. Do you know him? So number one, you abide in Jesus. Number two, you abide in his love. You abide in his love. Look at verse nine. He says, listen, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Look, this is a mind-blowing thought that the God of the universe loves you. Now look, some of us have been singing this our entire lives. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Easy song to sing. Very hard song to understand. Very hard song to let in. Because the older we get, the more regrets we have. And we say, there's no way if God truly knows me that he would love me. Because truthfully, I don't even know if I love me. So how can God love me? And the beautiful truth of the gospel is that at your worst point, God not only knows who you are, but loves you so much He has given his son to die for you, to bring you home. No one loves you like that. No one. And this is for you. You don't have to earn it. This is not later on when you get your act together. Now, not the person you're supposed to be, the person you are right now. He says, I love you now. This is the love that God gives to you. But look, there's a barrier. Because this is the love of the Father for us. And look, I don't know what your relationship is like with your dad. But our relationships with our dads absolutely colors our relationship with God. Some of us have a great relationship with our dads and some of us don't. And if you've got a a dad who's cold or distant or even worse, abusive, to hear that the father loves you can be a very problematic phrase. It doesn't make it less true. It just means we gotta work a little bit to recognize that God loves me in a way that maybe my father doesn't. He loves me deeply, overwhelmingly, unreservedly, so much so that he gives his life for me. This is the love that God has for us. And the question is, will we abide in his love? Not just his holiness or his righteousness or his his wisdom, but his love. What would it look like if you actually lived in that love, if you truly believed and drunk down deep that God loves you right where you are? If that was the case, you would stop caring what other people think. Wouldn't we? If I was that loved, I would not care what everybody else thought. If God loves me, everything else is gravy. It's bonus. If God loves me like that, I am fine. What if we actually drunk that in? And so look, something I've been doing to, this week to kind of remind me of this, I used to do this about 20 years ago and I brought it back out. Uh, I got some little translucent dots uh, and I put one on my watch, right? It's right there. Can you see it? It's okay, you can't see it. All right, so, uh, but I got one here, here on my watch. I got another one on my phone. I put it on my little home button uh, at the bottom. I can still see through it, uh, but I see it. And every time I see it, it's a reminder that at this moment, I abide in Jesus Christ. At this moment, whenever I see that dot, I abide in Jesus Christ. He loves me now. He is with me now. I am with him now. And look, it doesn't mean that every single time I see the dot, I have to have a quiet time and just go, you know, and just, and stop and pray. I, I really don't. I've done it like 10 times in this sermon, right? It's like, I'm not gonna stop, but it's just, it's a little half second of, he's with me now, he's with me now, he's with me now. And look, I tried to look up some stats on how many times we look at our phone during the day. They're everywhere. Uh, the lowest one I found was 40. The most I found was 350. Uh, we're probably somewhere in the middle. 
So imagine if a hundred times a day you were reminded that God was with you right now. If a hundred times a day you were reminded that you were loved and you could abide in him. Okay, that transforms your perspective. That's abiding. And so guess what? I got dots for you. Uh, I, we, we made some extra little cut up dots. Uh, they're going to be in the baskets as you leave today. And so if you want some dots for your own, you can grab one and put them on your, your watch, your phone, your dashboard, or your car, or your mirror, in your bathroom. If you just want a little reminder, we, we got some. You can grab those as you're heading out. But we abide in his love. Last thing, uh, we abide in his words. We abide in his words. Look at verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Look how he marks out his words. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. He specifically mentions scripture. He's gonna remind us of his words. If you want to abide in the Lord, you must abide in scripture. You must abide in the Bible. Anybody who says they can have a rich relationship with Jesus and not read the Bible is self-deceived. If that is you, tell Satan I said hi. Or at least your flesh, because guess what? That voice you're hearing, it's not the Lord, it's you, or worse. Because left to our own devices, we're not gonna come up with the right picture of Jesus Christ. We will remake him into something different. And if all we do is just like, well, I like this verse, but not that verse. And I think I, I understand better than God does. And so I want this part, but not that part. But, but I'll just take those little pieces. Like you can't Frankenstein Jesus together. If you wanna know him, let him reveal himself to you through his word. And so I gotta read it. He teaches me about himself. He reminds me of his word through the Holy Spirit. And so if you want to abide, you got to abide in his word. Are you reading his word consistently? Now listen, the question for us is not, do we abide in words? Because the answer to that question is, yes, we are all abiding in words. The question is, which words are we abiding in? Whose words are we abiding in? Because we are swimming in words. We are hundreds of thousands of words every single day. The problem is we are abiding in the wrong kind of words. For some of us, we are abiding in the words of social media or your phones. We are obsessed with what is everybody else saying? What are they posting? What are they looking at? What are they chatting about? What are they doing these things? And they said this, I gotta say this. I'm on this chat, I can do this. This is this group and I gotta do this. We are always on our phones, scroll, 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 look, 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 post, 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 see, 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 chat, chat, chat. We got all the different things I and mean, we cannot get these phones out of our hands. Words and words and words. We are immersed in them. We abide in them, but it does not lead to the joy that we're looking for, does it? What happens if you begin to put the phone down? Not forever, but for a time so you can abide in the real words, the words that can give you life. For others of us, you are abiding in the words of cable news because this is the soundtrack of your life. It's on TV in every room of your house. It just follows you from room to room. You're not even listening. It's just the background noise of your life and you wonder why you're so anxious and terrified. Because you are abiding in the words of cable news pundits, God help us. But I can't turn the TV off. Yes, you can. Turn it off. You will be happier. I promise. Because the words of Jesus Christ bring life. The words of the world bring anxiety and fear. Try it for a week. Abides in the words of Jesus instead of the words of the world and see how you feel. I dare you. It works. Abide in him. He wants to bring you life. But I gotta choose that. 
That means I might have to say no to some other things. Look, I had a fail this week. I was uh, up one night. I was just watching on YouTube. And I was clicking around on videos. And I watched this video. I said, how bad can it be? It's YouTube, right? Lesson learned. All right, so I got to the end of this video. And I was like, oh, that was just a lot darker than I thought it was going to be. It was a lot grosser than I thought it would be. I was like, I was, that was a mistake. Yeah, I shouldn't have watched that. And now it's in my algorithms. You got to go through and like clean stuff up, right? So it didn't give you like 40 more. I just like it. And just like, and I was just like, God, I'm sorry. Because yeah, that didn't lead me to abide more in you. In fact, it pulled me away. I got to be choosier about what I watch and what I listen to and the people I listen to talking. Why? Because all of that is either drawing me closer to Christ or pulling me away. Whose words are you abiding in? But if I abide in the words of Jesus Christ, I will find life. Do you have a personal relationship with him? Because the greatest news in the universe is that God wants that relationship with you and he is inviting you to abide in him. So do this for me. Bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. Stephen's gonna come up and lead us in a hymn to close out, but we're not just closing out a service. We're gonna have an opportunity to sing these lyrics to say, God, teach me to abide. And I wonder what it might look like for us, not simply to sing words on a screen, but to make that a prayer and say, God, I want that. I, I don't know how to do that just yet, but, but I want to know how to abide. And God, if you want that relationship with me, you're desiring that relationship with me, God, would you show me how to have a relationship with you? So I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing and, and just from your heart. Maybe you want to close your eyes as you're singing. Maybe you just want to pray as you're, we're singing it over you, but let's lift this up to him, knowing that this is exactly what he wants to teach us to do. So Father, help us, speak to us, encourage us. Thank you for this invitation. We don't deserve it. But God, for every single one of us, no matter where we find ourselves spiritually, I know you want to draw us closer to you. So help us to take that step, even right now. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray.